You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Alex Barr. And today I'm joined by Arik Oslan from Valban. Hello, Arik. How are you? Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for joining us. Arik, for our listeners, please tell us a little bit about you um, and tell us a little bit about Vauban. Sure. Um, so Vauban is a, um, a platform that allows uh, venture capital managers to set up funds and SPVs pretty much as mm-hmm. easily as ordering a uh, book on Amazon. Uh, what we did is we created kind of an end-to-end platform that takes uh, VC managers and their investors through the entire process of setting up a fund, making it easier and more accessible to raise and deploy uh, capital. Um, I'm the COO at uh, Valban. Um, I manage our delivery uh, team, which takes cares, which takes care of the of the setup of the um, SPV, the funds, the banking, the compliance, and really every team that touches upon the kind of client happiness and making sure they have a great experience. Eric, you sound like a man of many hats. It's a busy job. <laughs> no, absolutely. Every day is a, a new challenge. So for the listeners, for the audience, I know you've spoken a little bit about the, about Vauban just less than a moment ago. Um, for those that aren't familiar, the problems that Vauban seek to solve, let, talk to me a little bit about that and about the deployment of ease of deploying capital. Sure. Um, so w- when we started uh, back in 2018, we looked at the private markets um, and we thought, why why can't this be as simple as it is in the public markets to go and um, invest. So imagine you, you wanted to buy a, buy a stock in Apple. Um, you'd probably just download some version of a Robinhood or free trade app and just mm. press a few you know, clicks and you're, you're already investing. And private markets, that just doesn't happen. You, you don't have access to the, to the, uh, to the investments. It's behind uh, closed doors. The ticket sizes are too big, um, and a lot to do. A lot of that has to do with the fact that it's very expensive and time-consuming to set mm. these things up. And we thought, what well, you know, what can we do to to solve this? And we 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 use um, uh, we put it. We thought, why don't we put like a, a layer of technology on this process? This very archaic process run by lawyers, accountants. Uh, fund administrators, and we build a platform that really helps from start to finish, end to end, really set up that 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 entity to 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 be able to um, have your investors invest in a underlying um, startup um, and run you through the the banking, the onboarding, um, the accounting of that of that uh, investment. And it's grown. It's grown to we've set up over four hundred of these uh, vehicles. Oh, about wow. five thousand investors have been using the uh, the platform. Um, so it's really been taken off quite 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 immensely. And today we're part of a bigger bigger uh, beast, uh, Carter, which manages over two. I think it was two point five trillion dollars uh, of equity value and two million of uh, stakeholders. So it really is. You know, what we're trying to do is really reduce the barriers kind of entry into venture capital and just make it making it 
having more kind of investment opportunities uh, for both the uh, the managers, but also the investors. So people that couldn't access venture capital um, sure. beforehand today can through our uh, system. And I suppose in the recent decade, I'm sure you'd agree here, <laughs> um, but over the recent decade, I'm sure v- v- the VC world has been r- ripe for the picking for it being democratized through technology. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good observation. The I mean, venture capital, traditional venture capital, has really hasn't had any or very limited innovation for the last uh, well, since forever, pretty much. I mean, if you look back at the last twenty years, what's happened? Um, crowdfunding came about uh, mm. about uh, less than ten years ago. It really hasn't found its feet as people w- would have expected it, and that was first the first kind of democratization that was created um but i think that, that, that it, it solved a certain angle or certain problem that was necessary to kind of access capital but didn't really create the the solution for for the the venture capital managers to to give out that access and i think that's something where we've kind of come into play to to, to support i think there's i mean there is, there's a lot of players trying to solve a lot of the problems around um creating more opportunity to access investments mm. um, and, you know, solving problems within the, the the puzzle, such as like making bank account opening easier for, for, for venture, uh, navigating the complexities of tax and regulatory filings which is super complex when you think about uh, what's necessary to set up an um, investment vehicle. Uh, but we're not in a globalized uh, world where it's easy. And you see a lot of like European um, companies not onboarding U.S. investors, for instance, um, or vice versa, because of the complexities that you, that, that you face, and that's why I guess innovation has been tricky that period of time. Yeah, and I suppose that it, the, the technology also of that innovation can be much quicker than the regulatory innovation as well, which I'm sure you've realised over your absolutely last absolutely. year and a half. Absolutely, I think that's 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 absolutely the case, and I think in regulators. You know, they, they try to, to to push the boundaries, but they, sometimes they're led a little bit by industry. You see this in the neobanks where mm. they had to kind of push the barriers of what, what was capable or, or available to them um, to be as close as possible to to, a, to create a banking infrastructure. And I think the same applies in our space where you know we have to try and, and create these new types of vehicles where they don't exist and enable them to exist so people can access um, investing in, in, a new, in a new way. Because really, what if you think about what we're doing, I guess what you know, um, Currency Cloud are doing as well, is we're trying to break the boundaries of transferring wealth and investment. And it's, it's a tough exercise. Yeah, and I, and, and I, can, like, I completely echo your point about technology um, reducing this what, time to value, I suppose, for your clients, right? And, and having this all in one easily consumable platform. I'm interested, and this is probably just more of a, a, a personal question, right? So you, you, you mentioned the amount of people that you need to deploy capital, lawyers, accountants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how, how quickly has, has Vauban re- reduced that to now? So what's the actual time uh, for me to deploy my capital if I wanted to. Yeah, so the if we look about kind of what the the benchmark is, so if you wanted today to set up a um, a venture capital um, fund or SPV for that matter, um, between the lawyers, the accountants, the fund administrators, you are talking months, if not going up to a year. 
uh, depending what regulation you, you need. And mm. costs spiral from 200,000 uh, euros, pounds, dollars, you choose the number, um, all the way upwards uh, past, past a million if you're, you're very unlucky lucky in your choice of, uh, of service providers. Um, and we've month after month, really product release after product release, have, have narrowed that down. So we, we recently, recently released a, um, an SPV product, which we call it the five minute SPV. So <laughs> you start to finish. We've done it in, in front of a live audience. Um, you can launch your, your investment and invest wow. uh, in, in under five minutes. And the cost is, is significantly less. We're talking about, um, it can be as, as, as little as uh, five, six thousand uh, dollars um for for that so it really is a game-changing um solution for for our clients the words spv and and five minutes like seems you're used to see them i suspect paradoxical they wouldn't usually go hand in hand in the same sentence <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um i'm interested about um how you've seen um throughout covid times has, has that has that pushed your business has that pushed the business forward has it helped the business yeah, I mean, I mean, COVID was was a difficult time for 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 many people, um, and I think it was it was a very interesting time for for technology and for venture capital. I think um, if you see the the growth, so last, I mean, twenty twenty one was 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 pretty big for for venture capital. So I think it was globally three hundred and thirty million dollars worth of billion dollars of, of, of venture uh, funding uh, raised and the that doubled from 2020 mm. and it doubled again uh, from three years before then but it was a very interesting growth that 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 COVID um, growth and I think it, it I mean you're seeing now probably the effects in in the markets as it, since April things have, have been trying up uh, quite a bit but it was quite a quite a significant growth trajectory for for venture capital and it's um really has fueled a lot of um investments into many different areas science technology um and definitely kind of a game-changing year or two, year, two years i should say now sure because I, I mean operationally like you said these things used to take you know could take up two months maybe up to a year and again i suspect that would have been accentuated even further because of because of being able to meet face to face or, or whatnot signing things in person and I, I i was wondering whether the ability for your technology to have it all of a, a couple of clicks of a button that it's, uh, it's it's very much pushed your organization to the forefront so I'd say that um, the digitalization of um, investments um, solved the problem of this 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 quick investment cycles that were happening. So sure. instead of um, firms raising money over um, you know once every year, two years, they were going even uh, every half a year, and that meant they needed things quicker, fast, uh, quicker, and also more seamless uh, for everyone. So I think the the drive in 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 inventory investing really pushed us forward. Um, the fact that it was built already on technology was just made it uh, seamless as well. Sure. Um, you 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 mentioned earlier about um, private markets being traditionally uh, larger ticket sizes. Have uh, I'd, I'd be interested on your view? Um, are you seeing 
different or two questions really you're seeing uh, changes in types of investment in in recent times and you're seeing different types of ticket sizes coming through given the ease of or the the the, the lower barrier to entry for people to access these markets now Sure. So the, I mean, it's quite interesting because we see quite a wide. Yeah, you must see a broad spectrum. Exactly. Exactly. So we we cater not just for the um, emerging managers, but we also cater for some of the biggest names in uh, in venture capital, and uh, we see all, all all mixes, all types of investments. And I think the first thing is that for the established uh, managers, I think the problem started where they couldn't really um, access. Uh, follow-on investments quickly enough. So mm -hmm. imagine you're you're raising your next round, your Series C round. You have to tell your existing shareholders, "Hey, we need to we need to we need to raise some money." And you send out your the pro rata request out to everyone. So everyone gets a chance to, to to fund again. And if you're late in your funding uh, your fund cycle, you kind of uh, luck out a little bit where you don't have you do that down the road where you can't do it within the existing fund. You haven't yet raised your next fund. And you're a bit of a limbo. So having the opportunity to do like a follow-on with some of the LPs is a great opportunity. And we kind of solved that problem for them. So we were able to actually um, set up those uh, vehicles very quickly, very efficiently, so they could do that level of investment. So you'll see um, exist like it's early stage investors going further down the road in terms of uh, investing in later stages. That was on one side of things. So the ticket sizes were bigger. Mm. On the other the flip side of that, where you had people that didn't have access to to investing, so let's say they were a group of uh, colleagues, friends, and they wanted to group together to invest in a, in a in a startup. Um, a lot of times they were just like told, "Look, I'm sorry." Like from the start, from the startups standpoint, the founders' perspective, like, we don't want to take a check size of I don't know two thousand uh, uh, pounds. Um, it's too low for us. Uh, it just it just bogs our cap table. It's painful, and suddenly these people can group together, invest together in a way that makes it uh, more more efficient. And you see, we got to see at both of those types of um, of those cycles, and it was great to see that happening and us really helping kind of making the gears of of, of the market uh, move. Mm, super interesting. And do you do you see? Um... That's obviously quite a key trend of the maybe of the VC market and in, in recent years. What, what what other um what other trends have you seen or identified in recent years and maybe in coming years that you think uh, that are important to discuss? I mean, you know, we talked a lot about the boom of uh, of COVID, but obviously since April, I guess the 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 other side of that is the the impact it's had and the fact that markets have uh, been. Quite impaired as well. There's a lot of dry powder now. Um, so it kicked off from November time in the public markets, and in April, really, the private market started to really feel um, that um, that strain. And a lot of emphasis being put on the kind of like um, reassessing the methods of raising capital. And I'd say like today, raising money isn't as easy as it was six months ago. Um, it's a bit longer than six months, but I think the the impact has been quite good in some ways. I think there's a lot of emphasis on uh, clear kind of identifiable uh, profitability uh, metrics that link back to public public markets. And I think that's the back of the minds of all um, venture capital managers at the moment. Um, and like I said, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it improves what we do. And I think at the end of the day, venture capital is here to stay and always will be here to stay because it has a societal function. 
accelerates uh, science and technology and humanity. And we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have it. So it's not a question of you know, if, it's when the, the deployment of that dry capital, dry powder continues to, to, to roll in. Mm. Um, we've, we've obviously touched on technology democratizing investment in, well and i think we both agree that happens in public and private markets um i am keen on your view on if you have one of course on on how you think blockchain dlt will have an influence on on this in future or even if you if you think if you think it will help to solve any inefficiencies yeah, well, I mean, blockchain is built to to solve the inefficiencies of uh, infrastructure, and and you know the first use cases of that have been on the on the financial system, and yeah. it started with um, you know trading uh, currencies, but realistically today the, the, it's gone much wider than that. And even in our space, there's a lot of um, startups that are kind of looking at at uh, deploying uh, solutions on the blockchain. Um, to to make investments simpler, more efficient, and I think you know, we, we can't ignore the fact that and a part of that, you know, a lot of the investment that happened over the last few years has, has poured into uh, blockchain to try and you know identify those solutions. I always say with with blockchain, it, it, a lot of people try to rush to to solve a problem with blockchain before realizing first we need to digitalize something before we jump to um, to try and solve with blockchain. I think jumping straight from analog to blockchain is smart in in in, um, in jurisdictions where they don't have that that they don't have the infrastructure already. So this decentralization is actually really important and really helps to 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 accelerate uh, growth. But I think there's so much more to do first on the digitalization front before trying to solve it with blockchain. But I, I do think there's a lot we can do on that side. A lot. Mm, I agree with you completely. Um the beginning of our conversation we spoke about your um recent acquisition by carter um for our listeners that aren't familiar um eric would love to know a little bit about carter um and the acquisition itself and what that means for volban yeah it's extremely exciting times for us um for those people that don't know uh carter is um uh, US based, although now they're, they're global uh, around the world. Um, but the way they describe them, they're the um, equity software management system. So they, they cover s- things like uh, cap tables, just where they started from, uh, compensation benchmarking, venture capital is a massive part of their business, and liquidity tools. Um, they they raised, I think it was like $500 million um, last year, wow. and they're worth, worth about uh, Seven point four billion on that on that uh, raise from the likes of Silver Lake, so a very, very strong um, business. Um, as I said before, as well, they've 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 got two point five billion dollars of assets under them, um, and that's it with two hundred million uh, stakeholders. They really have a massive kind of oversight of the entire market, and 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 that's great. And that's great for us because the first. The first important thing we did um, coming to this year, but even before we, we were speaking to, to Carter, was we, we put the US on our map and we were, this is 40% of the, of the venture market. We need to be a part of this. And for us, Carter fit in so well into that, into that ethos and that growth momentum. Um, and the other 
part of the equation for us is that we really believe in that venture is global. And actually, we looked at the data around this. So we saw that more than 50% of SDVs and funds in the US had at least one non-US uh, LP investor, um, which means that there's a lot of kind of cross-border investment happening and to make it work really well, you need to have the ability to, to, to solve problems, not just in the US, but also in Europe, in Asia. And I think that's what we're really good at and making us part of Carter has made it much easier for us to, to put from a distribution standpoint, but also from, from that network effects. So every time an investor touches uh, Valba and they're touching the wider uh, Carter um, ecosystem, which just makes it easier for GPs and and founders and everyone in the system to to work better. I I, I assume there's there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of synergies on either side, right? They, they um, I'm sure are looking for more and better access to the EU market as well as you with the US. So there's um, it, I was going to ask you you stole my question <laughs> organically. Is I, I assume the US was definitely on your your map to be to be looking at, right? Given the amount of VC money that goes into to the US or comes from the US. Absolutely. I mean, and there's a good reason why that's the case, that, that the regulations there, the the infrastructure has been built over, over you know quite some time. And we, we're still in Europe, there's still a lot of uh, work needed to 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 reduce those barriers. And we Valban are kind of the, at the edge of that, trying to make it work. Mm. But in the US, they have that already in place. And it's much easier for, for money to flow from investors and into startups. And I think it's really something that we wanted to, to be a part of and really drive that our mission of being a global um, player. I, I'm I'm interested as a you know a C level exec, um, I'm I'm interested on um, how the transition has been uh, post acquisition, how how uh, how you found that in the business? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's firstly it's very early days. I mean, it's been um, a couple of months now coming in, um, and but I have my theory is that with um, with kind of integration, there's three key pillars to it, um, and people keep seem to forget. The, those three so the first one for me is like strategic alignment mm. does what you do and what i do work together secondly uh something that's overlooked a lot is system alignment so do my systems work with your systems um and that can really hold up things if you try to move you know put a lot of investment into something that's not connected very well and thirdly and also extremely important and not considered well highly enough particularly prior to an acquisition is culture cultural um, alignment. And I think a lot of people focus a lot on the strategic alignment and they tick that box, but don't really tick the systems and culture. Um, and I think the, I mean, for me, again, it's still early days, like I said, but I think we, we've done a lot of work around the, the those latter two, not just the first one. Mm. And we see Carter really trying to supercharge us, and we we did, we, we felt very strongly that, that there's a strong cultural alignment. Systems-wise, I mean, they're, they're way ahead of us and we you know we're catching up with them so we get to learn from their best uh processes but they get to learn from us and things we've kind of done as well so i think there's a lot of great foundations and it's a matter of like building on those foundations mm. so i'd say it's quite a quite an exciting uh time for for all of us it sounds it i feel like you're going to be more busy <laughs> <laughs> always busy i'm want to take a bit bit of a 
change of tact i'm i'm interested in, on, on you now Aaron, the spotlight's on you yeah. um <laughs> i'd love to know more about your your experience um you've been a c level in a few different companies now many years mm -hmm. um it's always good for our listeners to get a little bit of insight onto your learnings and um specifically i'd love to know about your learnings as a you know ops guy bringing stuff or bringing a product to market how how you found that as a project for you Sure. So I guess um, in terms of backgrounds, I joined. I mean, I joined uh, Valban two two years ago, and before that, I came from a lot of um, high growth businesses, particularly in fintech and businesses that were were trying to disrupt a market. Mm -hmm. um, so I was quite used to that that pattern of of growing uh, quickly, that kind of one to let's say a hundred um, space. And a lot of work on kind of how to scale something over time and with the right processes and the right tools to make sure that as you grow, you're, you sustainably grow. And way, way before that, I probably don't tell many people I was also a lawyer, which actually makes it quite fun for what I do today because I'm kind of displacing lawyers, uh, not, not all, but the ones at the, the lower end in terms of the market to make sure that it, you know, things are more accessible and cheaper. But that aside, um, in terms of... Um, Learnings. I think the it, it's I, though I've, I've been you know I've been in the industry quite a while. Uh, I think it's always quite daunting to to, to launch a product, and I, I I've always think about in bigger companies. Um, you tend to be you tend to have a lot of stakeholders around you, and everyone th everyone knows a lot or thinks they know a lot at least. Um, and you get to, you get very quickly into this into this scenario of uh, paralysis. I think you you constantly result in a scenario where there's so many no's around you, you're kind of trying to understand whether or not you should move left or right. And I think you, because you spend so much time in industry, you also, you, you reach that kind of, uh, that state of mind. And it's very, it's very, it really pulls you back a little bit. And I think when you, when you work in a, in a, in an entrepreneurial um, place, somewhere that, that, that redefines uh, markets and redefines um, outcomes, you have to kind of shed that away a little bit and you have to kind of um, say to yourself, look, we know this, you know, we want to launch a product. There's a lot of potential issues. Um, what do I need to really solve now? And what can I time box for future and make sure I solve for that rather than get too bogged down about all the potential outcomes? And again, every company is a different stage. You can't always use the same framework, but I do believe there's the element of but you get too too attached to the the problems and not focused enough on the outcomes, which is really about you know how do you make the, the experience for the customer customer amazing. Sure. I think if everyone spends a little bit more time on that side of things and less on the on the why not, um, I think we we'd be always always in a better place. I think that was one of the biggest learnings from this uh, this round. I suppose cutting out the noise is always the tricky part, right? Because you you, you want to remain tunnel vision while thinking about all the other independent variables um, and it's particularly no absolutely and so i think it's particularly the case for operational leaders yeah. because your goal is to work out all the what ifs and how do you balance the what ifs to the what do i need to actually do sure. um, so i think it's quite a quite a powerful balancing act do you think that's one of the key parts for you know and you, you you're actually could see this for a very unique lens, right? From startup all the way through to acquisition. 
Um, do you think that's one of the key parts for a new business to be successful? I'm trying to think, you know, what, what, what do you think the other crucial things are, pillars are for, for, a, for a startup to be, to be successful outside of that? Yes, I think the that's definitely one of the things. But I think you go into any entrepreneur that goes into um, that that journey. I mean, the whole definition of entrepreneurship is you don't have the resources to deliver what you need to do. So you have to kind of solve for that through um, not worrying about all the other problems and just going and doing something. So definitely that that's a pillar. But I don't think you'd be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur to start with if you don't think like that. True. Um, and I think the, the next thing is the the founders, and I always spend a lot of my time uh, when I when I join a a business to to learn about the founders, um, work out uh, what what kind of person they are, because a lot of the especially when you're in a small business, the the impact of those people has an absolute fundamental. Um, um, kind of ripple effect across everything you do. And if you have a strong vision, a strong culture, and you have that kind of willingness to dare, which is what we just talked about, um, I think those those three things can really help you and help, and if the founders have that, really help them make sure people around them uh, follow suit. And if you have that, and I, that's why I say, you spend a lot of time with looking at those people and make sure they do they have that, that, that fit. Then it makes that difference, and, and say particularly in in a in a smaller environment. Um, in our in our final time that we have before I'm going to let you go back to your busy day, um, I, I'm interested, and I'm sure everyone else is, to hear about what's next on the on the roadmap for for Balban. Sure. Um, so I think the, the the clear goal in our mind is to be more global. Um, and to be quicker about it. <laughs> so I think the uh, the fact that we have this US uh, market nugget um, of Carter makes it so much easier for us. Like we really now have that kind of almost global um, um, enterprise that we can we can solve for. But in, in investments, I think there's a few key markets you need to really tackle. I think we've started uh, Europe quite heavily over the last few months. So we've, we've mm. set up our kind of Luxembourg um, our funds recently. Uh, we're looking at more solutions there to to, to access more capital across Europe. Um, and I think we're going to continue to build products in the US and then we can be looking outwards from there. But I think whatever it is, whatever we try to do, it's always trying to bridge that gap between the uh, the, the venture capital managers and their investors and what we do need to do to make that experience as, as seamless as possible. So that five minute SPV is is that same feeling you get across all products. You have a lot to do, I'm sure. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> um, a question we always like to ask everybody, and I know you're going to answer with venture or venture capital, maybe, or <laughs> venture capital technology, but um, we like to ask everyone, what what, it, what are you most excited about fintech right now and, and, and this year coming? So I think that, as I was saying before, the there's been a, a tremendous amount of um, investment going into, last year was a peak year for, for that. Um, but what's been interesting is that that investment into venture has been across so many different um, areas and areas that I think because of the amount of investment that was going in probably may not have seen that had it not been that kind of that 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 that, that quantum of of, of um, capital 
So I think things like uh, space tech, uh, climate tech, um, quantum computing, things that a lot of money was put into, um, I'm really excited to see what the outcomes of those things are going to look like over the next few years. Um, like I said before, venture capital is, it really has a, has an impact on society, and I, I think this is where we see the nuts and bolts of it. So yeah, watch watch this space. Watch this space, um, Eric. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's nice to catch up. Um, for anyone that wants to get in touch with you directly, get in touch with Voban. What is the best way for people to to to, to reach out? Yeah, I mean, feel free to uh, get hold of me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Uh, but you can just easily email um, us on hello at valban.io. Perfect. Eric, thank you once again for joining me today. I shall speak to you very soon. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.